welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. And we wanted to continue that today. We were in a series called People, You Gotta Love Them. You gotta love them. Because people are awesome, right? They can be really awesome, and they can be really awesome. Like, that guy is awesome. And we all know what, what I mean when I say that. They can be super great, and they can be super grace growers, right? Yeah. Super grace growers. That's the Christian way of saying this person's a pain in my butt, but they're teaching me things about Jesus. But none of you would ever say that, would you? No. Especially not to our spouse. <laughs> Yeah, people are awesome. So we're talking about people, you got to love them. And three weeks ago, we got into a message about marriage. And today, we're going to continue on with that and, and maybe finish up. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see what happens. No, there's lots to talk about. There's lots to talk about. And when both of us get up here together, it just kind of goes on and on. It's good, but it just goes on and on and on. So young adults isn't until six tonight, so we got a lot of time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's like six hours. We got snacks hours, downstairs. Six hours and 12 minutes. So buckle up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when Ashley's here. Gotta, gotta love people. Gotta love them. Um, okay, so. Was that bothering you? You know, I think it was just. Uh, You're already seeing how we handle things. <laughs> it was in my zone, my quadrant. <laughs> Don't, listen, you almost pushed us off the table in the first service. Kindness. (laughs) If you were in the first service, you got that. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Praise Jesus. Okay. (laughs) All right, so we're going to talk about marriage. I want to recap just a little bit so we're all back on the same page because it has been three weeks. Last Sunday was Mother's Day. Two weeks ago, Pastor Adrian shared a message. And so it's been a couple weeks since we've been talking about this. And I want to ask you a question. We didn't do this in the first service, but we did this two weeks ago. And I want to give you a chance, some audience participation again, just in case your answers changed in the last three weeks. Maybe something transformed in your life. And now you get a chance to shout it out. On the count of three, I want to ask you a question. And on the count of three, I want you to answer. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the question. And I I remember, again, we we did this three weeks ago. I don't want the churchy answer. I want the real answer. I want the parking lot answer. I want the pre-service parking lot answer. You know what I'm talking about pre-service? Like, listen, who grew up in church? Who grew up as a believer? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. You can, go be, you, can, you can be going to church on a Sunday morning, and in the car, like, you're getting yelled at by your parents. Your, your parents are arguing with each other, and then you pull up in the parking lot, and the last thing your mom says, your dad says is, get it together. We're all going to act like we love Jesus, so get out of this car <laughs> and smile. But in the car. So I want the pre-service in the car answer. I don't want the Christian filtered answer. I want the first thought that comes to your mind about this. And just shout it out. Trust me, nobody can hear it anyways. Like last time we did this, we couldn't hear a word anybody said, right? Except for a few people who shouted early. We said we'd we'd do it on the count of three, two, one. And then people were like, one, and they shouted out. So, yes, I'm going to. This is Jen Jen telling me I'm talking too much. She's like, yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. Dramatic pause. So on the count of three, I want you to answer this question. Marriage is... <laughs> oh, I didn't know we were doing it yet. I thought you were teaching them. I was. I said on the count of three. <laughs> you said hard. I heard hard. <laughs> Mike said, okay, on the count of three, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say marriage is, and then you, three, two, one, everybody says it. We got it? So the question is, marriage is... I'm going to count down. <laughs> when I get, when I say three, two, one, then you say, okay. So three, two, one. Yes. Ice cream? <laughs> I heard challenging. What did you hear? Well, I said wild. Wild. Said three weeks ago. You said that three. Yeah. You don't have a new answer? It's a good word. Okay, it's a good word. So everybody probably had somewhat different answers to that question. Uh, Marriage can be awesome. Marriage can be exciting. Marriage can be wild. I like that. What did you mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to expound? (laughs) 
It can be hard. It can be exhausting. It can be tiring. It can be thrilling. It can be all kinds of things. Uh, but we're going to talk about what marriage is and what that looks like in our life and how to have godly marriages. So just so we know, who's married right now? That's a lot of people. Who's almost married? <laughs> four, four people are almost married. So you need to listen up. Who will be married most likely one day? Who hopes to be married one day? Put, it's, okay. it's not a weird question. Just put your hand up. You two don't hope to be married one day? Okay, I didn't see it. Okay, so everybody can learn something today, hopefully. And if you listen to the Spirit of God, He's always talking. So we're going to talk about marriage. I want to remind you what Webster's, or Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary says marriage is because the modern dictionary definition is terrible. It just basically says marriage is the state of being united and consensual and contractual relationship right. recognized by the law. Terrible definition. But if you go back to the 1828 dictionary, marriage is the act of uniting a man and a woman for life. Wedlock, the legal union of a man and woman for life. Marriage is a contractual a contract, both civil and religious, by which the parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them. Yay. Marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of preventing the promiscuous intercourse of the sexes, for promoting domestic felicity, and for securing the maintenance and education of children. Now that's a definition of marriage. Yep. That gives us some real meat to look at and some thoughts to think about. So marriage was or instituted by the Lord. And so I looked up, as we were getting ready, I looked up what the most common, because in Canada, the divorce rate is still 50% for first-time marriages. It goes up to 60% for seven-time marriage or second-time marriages. And then if you're on your third marriage, the chance of separation or divorce is 73%. Wow. And so then I looked up and I wanted to see what the most common causes people cite for their divorce is. And there's a bunch of different, you can look at a bunch of different stuff, uh, like, and they'll give you the top 10. And then of those top 10, the most common four are these. And it's important to know this stuff. It gives us kind of a framework and an area to think about and to meditate on. And so the four most common causes of divorce are this. Number one, lack of commitment. Someone feels like their spouse isn't committed to their marriage. Uh, infidelity or affairs. Too much conflict and arguing. People say we just argue all the time. There's, we just spend all of our time fighting, and it's just yeah. not worth it, and so I'm going to get out of this thing. And the fourth one, the fourth most common one, was lack of physical intimacy. So people go looking somewhere else to get their needs met. These are the four most common causes. And really, if you look at these, lack of commitment, affairs, uh, too much arguing and conflict, and lack of physical intimacy, those really boil, boil down to selfishness, right. where you're in a relationship for yourself, right? right? And so uh, lack of commitment. Commitment is somebody saying, I just, I'm here for me, and your own issues are your own issues. I'm not here to help you. I'm not here to serve you. I'm not here to, to love you. I'm here to get what I can get from it. Uh, infidelity or affairs is somebody going outside of their marriage looking for somebody else to meet their needs. Again, it's about them. Uh, conflict and arguing. What is that really about? Conflict is really about you just trying to have your way. You're just trying to prove to the other person that you're right. And so I'm going to argue until I'm blue in the face to show you that you're wrong and I'm right. And what is that about? It's about you. You having to win all the time. So these are the most common causes that people get separated. So then these are people who say they are in love. So then we're going to talk about today what love is. Right. Because I believe many people, included in the church, don't necessarily have a healthy view of what love looks like and what love should be. And so we're going to look, open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to look at together what love is. And this is a very familiar portion of Scripture. I imagine many people, even in this room, have this portion of Scripture hanging uh, on a wall in their house in a frame or crocheted on a pillow, like you said. Right. Can I add something to what you're saying? You can anytime and you want. I felt impressed um, early this morning to, you know, for a few people to say this, is that if you are married or preparing for marriage, I would eat up as many verses about the love of God as I could, because we live in a world 
where what love is is if you do this, I'll do that. But if you reject me, I'm going to reject you. If you love me, I'm going to love you. But we're called to be not thermometers in the kingdom. We're called to be thermostats of love. And our greatest test of being a thermostat is going to be in our marriage. So we, we got to feed on the love of God like never before. And one of the scriptures I read, so before you go into this, I'll just read it now is that like, you know, we got like, love gets sucked out of us, right? Like in everyday life. So like, when do you put your clothes on? You put your clothes on in the morning, right? And like, we got to put our love on in the morning, every single day. And um, Colossians 3, 12 um, to 15, the apostle Paul said, therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with hearts of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive any complaint that you may have against someone else. Forgive as Christ forgave you. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. For this you are called as members of one body and be thankful. But again, we got to put it, put love on. Amen. Yeah. So that we're going to get into this now. We got to be intentional about it like never before. Because I think my mic's ringing a little bit, Mike. Um, but I've, I've said this a few times lately um, in the last couple of months is that 2023 requires something, something, doesn't it? You know, and 2024 is going to require more and 2025 is going to require more. So we got to be filling ourselves up with the word of God, with the promises of God so that we're not buying into the lies of this world. We're not buying into the lies of, of the enemy, you know, but that for us to be aware that there is an enemy, Satan, who's roaming around, okay, he's roaming around your marriage, he's roaming around your house just seeing where he can get into any fissures or cracks, so we got to put that armor of God on, called the word of God each and every day so that our foundation, you know, because there can get cracks in our foundation, we have a new house that we've just built, and we're already seeing maybe not cracks in the foundation, but cracks start forming in the house, you know, and you know, you can have inspections just to check the foundation, but we got to do daily inspections, weekly inspections, monthly inspections on our marriages to ensure that our foundation truly is the love of God and we haven't allowed the if you do this I'll do that get in amen yeah and a lot of that starts with inspecting your own hearts that's right uh, if you've been married any amount of time <laughs> the easy thing to do is to blame your spouse <laughs> I'm amazing I don't know what your problem is <laughs> I'm always right you're always wrong and so Humanity, like our, our natural... Uh, Adamic nature. Yes. Adamic nature. Our, just our natural tendency, <laughs> I was what I was going to say. Our natural tendency is to look for the flaws in others right. as opposed to say, this isn't working out. This, something's not right here. Maybe the problem is with me. We generally say, this isn't working out. The problem is with you. <laughs> but I want to tell you from the get-go and maybe make you mad, which is always fun to make people mad when you start preaching, um, that you need to examine your own heart right. before you begin pointing fingers at Come your spouse. On. That's right. Right? Look, look at yourself and say, what's inside of me that isn't lighting up with the word of God? And now look at your spouse and say, he's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, are you having fun here? Because we're having fun and you should be having fun at church too. So, um, so we're going to talk about love. And what I want to focus on today is what love is and not what love is not. You, if you know 1 Corinthians 13, you would know that there's a big list of the things that love isn't. And we're all pretty familiar with the things that love is not. We can go into the recesses of our mind. We can look back over the days of our marriage, our relationship, and we can all pinpoint things and say, well, that's not love, and that's not love, and that's not love, and you didn't love me here, and you didn't love me in this way, and you didn't love me in this situation, and I'm keeping track of them, and I remember them all. And those are all the things love is not. But what I want to tell you today by the Spirit of God is I believe that if we become people who focus on the love is, that it will drown yes. out the voice of Come all on. the things that love is Amen. not. Many of us, our, our own abilities and our own habits and tendencies is to focus on the negative things. We, we see the negative, we tend to look at it, focus on it, magnify it, and that's what we remember. And it's, it's very rare that you find a person who focuses on the positive. 
And so we need to become people, followers of Jesus, who begin to look at the positive, who begin to look at the things that we are supposed to be like and not the things that we are supposed to not be like and focus on those things. And as you begin to focus on what love is and as you begin to love from a place of what love is and as you begin to walk in your marriage at a place of what love should look like, then the things that love is not begin to lose their voice and their authority and their power in your life because the thing that love is begins to overcrowd and overwhelm all those is nots Come in on. your life. Come on. Are you all alive and awake in this They're room? They're listening. They're listening. <laughs> yeah. Can I add to that too? And this isn't really what you're talking about, but I think I can interject it there because, again, it's like I can hear hearts in the room. Is that if, if we ever go through seasons where it's just like there's a grace deficit. Do you know what I mean by that? Does that make sense if I say grace deficit? Perhaps there's an encouragement deficit, okay? Because you were just kind of like touching on that, but you weren't touching on that. So, you know, perhaps we need to have weekly rhythms or daily rhythms where we have encouragement time, like birthday. We do birthday affirmations in, in our house. And so everyone, every time a birthday comes up, you know, like we got ice cream for Josiah's birthday, and then we all went around the circle, and we just said the things that we appreciated about him, the things that, you know, you know, it could be a prophetic word, it could be something, but as, as we're saying this, we can act, you can actually feel the atmosphere changing. You can, and it's not that it's going to his head, but it's just that it's going into his heart so that he's seeing himself and reminded about how God sees him, you know, and perhaps if there's been a grace deficit in our marriages, a grace deficit in our relationships, perhaps. Perhaps, okay, this, I think this is for somebody in the room, that there has been an encouragement deficit, but, you know, where I could go to Jake, you know what, I really love this about you. I love it when you did this. You're really good at this, you know, and that brings encouragement to your heart, and it releases the grace of God in our life to where maybe perhaps you're in a season where you're seeing one another as the enemy, and I said that in the first, in the first session, is that there is an enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. There is an enemy. His name is Satan, but your spouse is, is, is not the enemy. Any time in the darkest season of our life, you were not the enemy. There was an enemy roaming around seeking to try to devour us, but he did not win in the name of Jesus, you know? But if there's ever been a season where there's been a grace deficit, perhaps I haven't seen you in the way that I should have, or perhaps it was things that I didn't want to deal with in my own life, so I was projecting what I didn't want to deal with in my own, now I'm getting somewhere, but you know, what I didn't want to deal with in my own heart, and I was projecting it to you. And I think we have to be careful, first of all, not to do that, but also take it another f- step further where you're talking about love is, is focus on the good things. You know, if we focus on the good things about our spouse, you know what? So often, I'm not saying don't deal with stuff and don't lean into conflict because I even said that in the first session is that if we'll lean into conflict, and that could be a part three or four, that there's beautiful, in, 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 what are you saying? Yeah, who knows that, you know, we can lean into that place of intimacy, you know, but perhaps we need to have daily, weekly, monthly rhythms, you know, where we're practicing, encouraging one another intentional times. Totally went on a tangent there. Well, it was a good tangent, but what it does is it causes you to dig deep and look beyond your own frustrations and your own hurts and your own wounds. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Jen's talking about these affirmations that... (laughs) We do. Jake uh, loves them. Guys, honestly, it sounds terrible to say, but it drives me crazy. I, I, I find it like, I, first of all, I don't like a lot of attention. So when it's like my birthday or whatever, I cringe at it. Like I, when people are talking, I just sit there and like, oh, this is the most, uh, the hardest thing for me. But what it does is, and even I can admit this aspect of it, it is a very good thing to do because it causes you, and don't use this against me. So when it happens, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> It, See? Nope, I have the microphone right now. <laughs> Jake loves birthday afternoon. No, no. But I don't, but I can see the value in it. What it does is it causes you to take time to go beyond uh, the surface emotions and feelings into the deep things of your heart and begin to see things, hopefully, the way that Jesus Christ sees them. And you begin to see people hopefully the way that Jesus Christ sees them, and you begin to speak to those things. You see, when it comes to relationship, listen, it's so interesting to me that, that 
the people that are closest to us and that should get the best of us tend to get the worst of us. And the people who yeah. are far away from us, who are strangers or who we see for five minutes a week, they seem to get the really good parts of us and then, and then they don't know the real us. They just get a surface so version true. of us. But the people who are close to us get the worst and get the leftovers. And so we have to be good about loving people Loving our spouses, loving people in general, loving them the way that God loves them and the way that God sees them. Yeah. And so we're going to look here in 1 Corinthians 13. We're finally going to get into the message. Sorry. With 10 minutes and 46 <laughs> seconds left. So I said no, I said 6 p.m. Young adult starts. So. Yeah, we're just preaching. I'm going to sit here and swing my legs like a kid on a swing. Guys, let me tell you something about being, being a taller person. I can't say I'm the tallest person in the room because I'm not because people here are taller than me. But you don't often get to sit down somewhere and swing your feet. So when you do, oh, it's, I live in that world. it's quite a treat. It's a freeing feeling. Yeah. I may just do it all morning. Yeah, yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And we're going to read verses 1 to 8 and verse 13. And then we're going to make four points out of uh, what love is, focusing on what love is. And we're going to all just not think about what love is not. We right. all already know what love is That's not. Right. And so in verse 1, it says, the Apostle Paul is speaking. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't have love or didn't love others, I would be only a noisy gong or a clangy cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans or possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So love is really apparently important. Then he goes on here in verse 4 and says this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. Look at this list he begins to go on. Just boom, boom, boom. Love is not these things. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful, and love endures through every circumstance. Amen. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Amen. Verse 13 says, three things will last forever. They are faith, hope, and love. Come on. And the greatest of these Amen. is love. So back in verse 4, we're going to look here. We're talking about what love is. Number one, love is patient. Woo. Now, listen, we're going to look at the Greek word for patient because the human word for patient, the human connotation for the word patient just means you're kind of sitting around waiting for something. And what I love about reading the Bible is that it was written in a different language a long time ago. And so for us to get the real fullness about what is being spoken to us, you get to go look in other languages and find out what those words really meant and what the author was trying to say with those words. And so the Greek word here is makrothumia, and it's this, long-suffering. It comes from two words, makros, which means long, and thumos, which means wrath or anger. So what he's really saying is long-suffering, patience means it takes you a long time to get angry or mad. A lot of us like to get mad and angry right away. A lot of us, our natural tendency is to get mad and angry, boom, like that. But that's not what love is. That's the opposite of what love is. So it says, to suffer long, to be long-suffering, as opposed to hasty anger or punishment, to forbear, to endure patiently, as opposed to losing faith or giving up. It means to tarry, to delay, macrothumia involves exercising understanding and patience wow. towards a person. So good. It involves exercising understanding and patience mm -hmm. towards a person. Mm -hmm. Listen, the great thing about exercise is the more you do it, the stronger you get. Right. And so patience is something that you have to choose to walk in, that you have to choose to exercise. And if you've been married any amount of time, you know that you daily, maybe hourly, get the opportunity to exercise patience in your life. Do you have something you want to say? No, Look no, like you're getting ready. No, I'm trying. I'm not texting anybody, okay, guys? I'm trying to write something in my phone so I don't forget it. No, keep going. I, keep going. okay. And so 
patience isn't just sitting around biding your time, waiting for the craziness or the madness or the storm to pass you by. Patience is you exercising, and I love how it says, understanding, where you're stopping to try and meet the person where they're at and understand what they're saying, where they're coming from, what may be happening on the inside of them. Guys, listen. Men, listen. This would go a long way for you if you began to walk in patience towards your wife. If you try to understand where they're coming from, listen, yes, we all know, it is true. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Two different worlds, completely separated. We all, listen, me and Jen could not be more different from each other. Except for our outfit today. Yes, except for our outfit, which was not planned. We think different, we act different, we have different emotions. But guys, listen to me. If you actively exercise trying to understand where your wife is coming from and you walk in patience, it will go light years for you. Yeah. Are you listening to me? (laughs) It will, though. What do you want to say? No, I think you should keep saying that. I'm done. I'm done with that. Yeah, it will. Okay, say that again. The last thing that you said. Men, if you (laughs) Packing it up. Yeah. I just said that if they would walk in patience, if they would, if they would uh, exercise walking and understanding towards your spouse, towards your wife, if you would take the time. Because, listen, guys, honestly, if you've dealt with anybody, there will be times when you are complete. I'm t- <laughs> I notice that I'm subconsciously turning away from Jen. <laughs> there will be times where you, you honestly... You have no idea what's happening. Right. Has anybody been there? There's an airing of the grievances after publicly. Where, you, <laughs> where everything was honestly great and fine, and the sun was shining. He's and talking su- about last night. Suddenly, out of nowhere, the world's worst storm blew in, and you're like, I honestly don't know what's happening right now. I don't know how we ended up here. I don't know why I'm being whipped around by a tornado. But patience, love is patience, is you actively walking, trying to understand what's happening inside. And if you will take the time, if you will not be hasty to anger, if you don't flip out and say, you're upset, so I'm going to be upset, I'm going to meet your emotions with my own emotions, if you will choose to humble yourself and surrender yourself and come and serve your wife and understand maybe what is happening inside, it will go light years for you. It'll go light years, and it'll also give you eyes of the spirit to be able to see your wife or your spouse, if it's vice versa, okay, for what's actually happening. Because often what you see, what is happening in the moment, isn't really what's happening. And, and you're not able to, if you look at them with eyes of the flesh, you're not able to discern the room. You're not able to discern the heart. And this is a word, I think, for all of us, okay, that are married. And for those of you who are, this is gold, okay, is that in those moments, if we can practice the way of love, if we can practice, like Pastor Jake's talking about right now, patience, in those moments, in the name of Jesus, you'll be able to discern the moment, discern the room, discern the heart, so you're able to, like a skilled surgeon, you know, the Holy Spirit, get in there, and to be able to speak the words that you need to speak, or maybe just kindly walk away as well, and not just go at it, okay, because the flesh, you just want to go at it, depending on how you're wired, but, you know, anyway, I've said enough, it's okay. That's good. It took me a long time to, see, the way dudes are wired is if something happens, then we'll get upset about it right then and there. But I, I learned a long time ago that Jen may be upset about something that happened three weeks ago. And if I understood that earlier in our marriage, that it would have probably saved some frustration and some fight. Well, do you know what happened? So I, I think this is what you're talking about is what happened last night. Let's and, have a counseling um, session. No, it's fine. No, I think it's good. I think this is a good example, okay? Um, is that one of my best friends from high school, um, she passed away at her funeral. Um, we attended, and Steve, you were there too. Um, we attended her 
funeral on Friday, and I'm one of those people where I'm fine usually in the moment, but it usually hits me later. And it started just hitting me like a ton of bricks last night, and it hit me even actually even more this morning. So I also can internalize a lot, so I'll often not tell people what's going on inside of me, and I could just feel it like imploding, imploding, and I actually didn't even know in the moment what was happening. I actually I had to find some space and say, Lord, what is happening? Like, why am I feeling like this? Like, why am I so angry? Like, why am I so frustrated? So here I'm in the in the kitchen with Jake and Josiah, and they're both like Josiah's like, what is happening? Like, you know, when your son is saying what is happening? And I'm I'm, I'm trying to get outside because I can tell it's like I gotta get alone as fast as I can so that I don't hurt anybody and walk in the flesh and say something that I shouldn't. Um, but when I started realizing what was happening, I said, just hold on a minute. I said, I'm just trying to charge my computer, I'm trying to get outside, you know. But I, I will say this that Jake's patience towards me in that moment when I was just like fired up. I didn't understand what was happening. He didn't understand, but his patience towards me actually allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to me in that moment and tell me what was wrong inside of me. Does that help? Yeah. 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 And I, I wasn't talking about, I wasn't no, talking about fine. I, I think that's helpful like though. I think it's good for, for them to hear that. Okay. So love is patient and we have 30 seconds left. So... <laughs> <laughs> love is patient. The next thing he's, the Apostle Paul says here is love is kind. And I want to show you what this word means as well because, again, in, in the human language, sometimes our translation of the Greek words do it no justice. And so it's the Greek word, krest you omahi. And it means this. <laughs> it means useful, to be kind, obliging, willing to help or assist. And here is some synonyms in the Greek for what that word is talking about. To stand beside, to help, be a partaker Seven. of, to aid, to act beneficially, to do good, to bestow a benefit, do good, to be profitable, to benefit. So when we hear the word kind, we think in English, kind means be nice. Love is, love is being nice. But the Apostle Paul is not saying be nice. He's talking about love is uh, obliging, willing to help or assist. I was telling people in the first service that Jen, uh, in her personality, she loves to be helped. She loves people to come and do things for her. She loves, come help me. She, she'll tell this story, and she tells it all the time, about when she was a kid and she grew up. Oh, uh, come on. She would, she would sit in her bedroom oh, while no. her mom and her sister, like, cleaned up her room and made her bed. It's just, it's, it's part of who she is. And it's not, listen, some, and it comes back Nobody's to Nobody's coming back to church next week. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with that? I've it's, grown up a little bit. It's not a bad thing. I'm talking about like our love languages. And so Jen's love language is yeah. you love to be served. Acts of service. Acts of service, right? I'm the and so this is all this is. And so yeah. love is, we think of the word love is kind means be nice to that person. That's what we're taught kindness is, is being nice. But the Apostle Paul, when he uses the word kind, it's not just being nice. It is helping or assisting to stand beside that person. Where you stand beside them, I'm going to walk beside yeah. you. I'm going to stand here with you. I'm going to walk this road with you, and I'm going to help you get to where you're called or where you're supposed to go. That's when he says love is kind. That's what kind is. Not just being nice, no, not just smiling, not. but serving the person, helping them, take Taking them alongside to where they're supposed to go. Yeah, and um, I think it was five years ago when we first started coming to Hope City. One of my first messages actually was on kindness. So if you really, so you've done a really good job of unpacking this. And if you if you unpack it a little bit further, you'll see that kindness, a word of kindness, an act of kindness, actually carries so much power, and it's divine power, it's supernatural power, to completely diffuse a situation and completely shift an atmosphere. So um, we know we know the scripture. It says a soft answer, a kind answer answer turns away wrath and I'm telling you married couples we can do this yeah. in Jesus name I'm going to say it again in whatever relationship you have in life you can do this in Jesus name I'm going to have you hold my hand again is that we didn't just make a contract okay when you married your spouse you you're not Reese you guys, when, when you get married, you know, when Pastor Jake marries you guys, that's not just a contract, but when you say, I do, you know, you make those vows before your family and friends, is that you are making a covenant before God. You are stepping into a covenant with God and with, and with one another, and that covenant will testify of grace, you know? And for us to know that, that there is grace working on our behalf in every season of our marriage. I'm going to say that again. There is grace working on your behalf in every season of marriage. 
And some of you might be going through a tough season with your, with your spouse, you know, or you might have gone through a tough season. And I want to say that um, it might be painful. It might be hard. It might, might be tough. But there's a lot more grace. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again. There's a lot more grace. Say, there's a lot more, a lot more. Grace. grace. Say it again. Say, there's a lot more. There's grace. And that phrase alone has has gained me so much confidence in those situations because the enemy would like to try to get us to give up, to just become hopeless, to, to begin to just be, you know, not to focus on love is, but what love isn't, you know. And when we focus on that, that you've almost lost the battle. Okay, when you start focusing on what your spouse is not, you you could fall prey to the enemy, to losing a battle, but we're not going to fall prey to his schemes, amen? Because we're going to focus on the word of God. We're going to focus on the promises of God. We're going to focus on the good things about our spouse. And remember our why. We married them in the first place. Some of you need to go on a, back on a first date and get back to that first love moment and have that why did we marry each other. Let's remember our why, right. you know, and watch grace pour out and watch what God can do. Amen? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> there's just a truth about what you look at is what you move towards. That's right. And so if you look at all the things that you believe your spouse is not, it's going to move you into an area of unthankfulness, mm-hmm. ungratefulness, and of unloving towards your spouse. Because you can't help but move in the direction that you were looking. That's right. But if you begin to look at what love is, and you look at your spouse, and you begin to say, I choose to look at these aspects. I choose to walk in this towards them. As you begin to look at those things, you will move towards those things. And you will see the Spirit of God begin to work in your marriage and through your marriage. This is going to be a house. Listen, our church is going to be a house where people know that marriages have been restored and before God. This is going to be a house that everybody knows that when you come to Hope City Church, that it's going to be a healthy uh, marriage that is found in God and through God. And people are going to say, listen, your marriage, what's so different about your marriage? You're like, well, I don't know, but, but we just put Jesus at the center of our relationship. And we talk about, we, we, I look at Jen and I say, this is who I see you are in Christ. This is what I'm going to say about you. And this is what I'm going to believe about you. And as you do that, your marriages will be restored and repaired to what God has called them to be so that they are testimonies of God's goodness in a world that needs to know that marriage can last and still does last and still continues to be what God has called it to be. Come on. Amen. Amen. Uh, okay, so we're going to go on. We're just going to wrap up here in a second. Um, verse 7 says, love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. We're going to say that love is a believer. Come on. Love is a believer. Too often in this world and in this life, it's easy to become a non-believer, to become an unbeliever, to turn your back on what once was and move to something that is no longer. But love, true love, when we're talking about love, love is a believer. It never loses hope. It never gives up. It never says, I'm done with you. It never says, this is no more. It was, but now it's no more, and I'm going to move on and find something better. Love is a believer. Yeah, totally. And the last thing here, it says in verse 8, that love lasts forever. True love, God's love, lasts forever. Verse 13 says, those three things will last forever, but the greatest of them is love. And I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was like, I wonder why Paul said that the greatest of these is love. And I felt like the Spirit of God said this and answered me this way. It's because that's who God is. First John tells us that God is love. And so the greatest of these things is love is because God is love. And so marriage is a vehicle and an opportunity and a chance for you to walk in the fullness of God's love towards your spouse. For you to have Christ's character formed more full and more completely on the inside of you. As you live your life with somebody who's completely different with you and you begin to join yourself to one another and to Christ... 
Christ's character, the love of God is formed more and more on the inside of you. There's going to be days where you are so frustrated and so angry and so confused. But as you turn to God and you listen to his voice and you allow his spirit to work in you and through you, his character will be formed more completely in you. And that is what love is. And that love lasts forever. Forever and ever and ever Amen. And I was saying this in the first service, and we've already alluded to this, but I'll say it again just because we're wrapping up here. And I have four pages of notes I didn't get to. Yeah, oh, yeah, three and four. It's going to be like the land before time. We're going to have 19 sessions on this. (laughs) Some of parents, you know what I'm talking about, is that we've got to be spouses of the word. Say it again. We've got to be people of the word so that the promises of God are so getting on the inside of our heart. But I'm going to add this, is that we also need to be people of the spirit of God. Okay, how many of you were at the Holy Spirit class? So powerful, such a powerful night. And we got, we got to be people of the Spirit. And just to give you some ammunition, okay, not guns to fire at your spouse, okay, but for yourself, okay, is that we got to pray in the Spirit a lot. Say it again. We got to pray in the Spirit a lot. One thing that praying in the Holy Spirit is going to do, okay, if you deal with anxiety or frustration or thing, you know, stuff that you can be prone to, we're all prone to certain things, okay, um, but we can overcome all things in Jesus' name, amen? The Lord gave us tools, and one of them's the Word of God, another one's the Holy Spirit, but it will help quiet down your soul, okay? It will help quiet down your soul. Another thing that praying in the Holy Spirit and daily interaction with the Holy Spirit will enable you to be a spouse to operate on a level far above your own abilities, okay? You know, we're not just called to be, you know, spouses, but supernatural spouses. Maybe we get superhero (laughs) T-shirts made with capes. I think anybody married should get a cape. I think you deserve a cape if you're married. You know, maybe something else after 25 years, you know, or maybe, I don't know what. A golden cape, you know, but the word and the spirit, we're never going to get away from that. And I'm never going to get bored or tired of saying that because we need to hear it over and over and over again. You know, like even last night when, when that was happening inside of me, I just knew immediately my default, okay, so the things that you practice regularly will become your default, okay, is my default was to pray in the Holy Spirit, like what is happening? I'm shifting the atmosphere. You know, that's that saying, if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy, you know, moms, who's a mom in the room, okay? I think we we all know this is true. We got a lot of power. We got a lot of power to shift the atmosphere in our home. And we need to, in Jesus' name, wield that power well in submission to the Lord and submission to our spouse. But I'm talking about submitting ourselves into the fear of the Lord in those moments, you know, because we're never proud of ourselves when we lose it, are we? You know, I tell our kids, every mom's a T-Rex mom. You know, they think, oh, why can't you be more? You know, every mom's a T-Rex mom. But we have the Holy Spirit, okay? So we don't have to live in that lane, you know. But in those moments when you feel it amping up, you know, is that like even last night, because I didn't understand what was happening as I prayed in the Holy Spirit that I was able to quiet myself down, get discernment from the Lord, and actually act like a Christian, okay? And that was something I said in the first two. Is we actually have to act like Christians, spouses. Come on. Can I get an amen? You know, this isn't a pass in those moments when, remember, I said emotions are high, intelligence can be low. We don't get a pass from the Lord that, you know, we should be sensing the conviction of the Holy Spirit when we have those moments we're not proud about and have the humility to go back to our spouses and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgiveness is a healer. You said in the first, in the first service, uh, how did you say it, uh, what's revealed is healed? Yeah, what gets revealed becomes yeah. healed or can uh, be healed. You know, Jen's is talking about being in the spirit. Galatians 5 verse 16 says that if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So in those moments when you're having a great conversation with your spouse or your future spouse and things are getting uh, emotional, let's just say emotional, <laughs> Uh, the best thing you can do is just begin to pray in the Spirit, begin to listen to the voice of the Spirit, because if you do that, then you won't say something, you won't do something that you'll regret afterwards. You know, Jen was just saying how none of us, none of us are, are thankful or glad when we lose it, right? Nobody says, man, that was awesome. Did you, say, <laughs> did you see how I acted right there? Like, even the dog ran away and was hiding. That was so cool. Nobody ever says that. Uh, but you always end up feeling like, man, I, I really missed it. I made a mistake. 
But if you do what the Bible says and you walk in the spirit, then you won't, how it says, fulfill the lust of the flesh. And, and the lust of the flesh really are just things that your flesh wants to do in any given situation that don't line up with the word of God. That's what he's talking about. And so in those moments, you know, you might want to cuss out your wife. You might want to yell. You might want to kick the dog. You might want to punch a hole in the wall. Well, you're not going to feel great about yourself after the fact, are you? You're not going to be like if you're out there pa patching up the wall, you're not going to be feeling great about, man, this was a good one. I broke my hand. I broke the wall. I'm going to leave this so everybody can see what a man I am. Uh, you, you never feel good about that stuff. But if you walk in the spirit and you choose to be spirit-led in your life and in your marriage, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And here's the thing. I don't know if I said it in this service, but your you're a role model. You know, if you got kids at home, your kids' marriage is going to look like what your marriage is. So they watch you. They listen. They begin to think this is what marriage looks like. This is how marriage should be. And so when they get married, they will duplicate what you have taught them, whether knowingly or unknowingly. The same habits, the same patterns, the same ways of acting, the same outbursts, or maybe the same praying in the spirit when things get serious and tough. But they will duplicate. So, you know, that Webster's definition said, one of the things it was was for securing the maintenance and education of children. You're called, one of the roles of being married is to teach the next generation what real marriage looks like. Right. And so to do that, you got to walk in the spirit. You got to walk in the spirit and be, you know, as you're saying that, I'm just mindful of, you know, even our own kids as, as we've chosen to practice the way of love. And like I said, I think in the first time we talked about this was it's okay to struggle, but not to quit is yeah. that our ceiling of love will become our kid's floor. Yes. Say that again. Our ceiling of love in our life will be the foundation. That'll be their, that will be their floor. You know, and it comes back to that old saying from Sir Isaac Newton, if we've seen further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. I want Sydney and Josiah, Sydney's not here today, but to be able to stand on our shoulders, shoulders of love that set a foundation and an example in their life for them to follow the way of love in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you. Do you still want to? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm going to pray for you in a second here. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray for us that we become people, that we become people who focus on what love is and not what love is not. You know, John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I think it's in John 8 where Jesus says that you're like your father the devil, he's talking about, he's talking to the Pharisees, I think, and he says, he's the father of lies. All he has is lies and deception. And so the enemy would love nothing more, and, and this is a bigger conversation for another day, but you can see the degradation of the family unit in society, and you can see now the effects that that is having on society. And so the enemy loves to come in and try and destroy marriages and destroy relationships. And he does it by bringing lies. And he yeah. does it by causing us to look at the things we shouldn't be looking at in our spouses as opposed to the things that we should be looking at. We need to be people who focus on what love is and not people who focus on what love is not. Don't spend our time focusing on where your spouse has missed the mark. doesn't help, it hurts. That's right. So I'm going to pray for us that God begins to shift in our hearts what we look at, how we value, and what we believe. Thank you, Father. So I want you to close your eyes with me. And I want you just to posture yourself in a posture of surrender and humility to the Lord. 
quiet yourself in his presence. And Father, I'm going to ask you in the name of Jesus to begin to work on our hearts. Father, I want you, I'm asking you to do some heart work in some of us. To go inside and begin to cut away the hurts and the rejections that we've carried around with us. God, help us to begin to look at our spouses through your eyes, through the lens that you view them through. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that we are seeing our spouses and our future spouses that you were teaching us to love, that we love them the way that you love them, that we don't pick them apart, that we don't hold on to the past, that we don't carry around wounds with us. But God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that, that we begin to let go of those things, that we begin to release those things, and that we begin to step into a love that is and not a love that is not. I think there's some people here that need to release some things that they've held against their spouse. Some hurts and some wounds. You just keep your eyes closed. I'm still kind of praying, but I'm listening to the voice of God right now. And there's some people here that have carried around things, words, that our spouse said over us or said to us in moments of weakness and frustration from years gone by. And now when we look at our spouse, we see the things that our spouse is not. And the grace is here today by the Spirit of God to let those things go, to lay those words down and to release them. And all you have to do is just say, Father, I release these to you. I let go of these hurts and these wounds. I lay them down. And if that's you, I just want you in your heart. I don't, I don't even want you to say it out loud because this is between you and the Lord. But if that's you, you just need to, in your own heart, say, Father, I release these lies. I release these words that were spoken to me, that were spoken over me. And Father, today I choose to focus on what love is and not what love is not in my spouse. Father, I thank you for a grace to come upon us right now and a strength to come upon us to walk in your love. Father, I thank you that your character is being more fully and completely formed on the inside of us so that we can be the people that you've called us to be, so that we can be the husbands and the men that you've called us to be, so we can be the wives that you've called us to be, so that we can be the families that you have called us to be in a world that needs us to be images of you so badly. Jesus. We love you, and we say, may your kingdom come and your will be done in our hearts and lives. In the precious name of Jesus, we all say, amen. Do you want to sing a song? Let's sing this. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.